Good morning. How are you? Okay, let's pray and go home. <laughs> um, Patty and Byron, well, I don't know how well you know Patty and Byron, but they were here actually a part of the, when we, when we planted Calvary Chapel South, and Patty used to do the children's ministry. And so they're wonderful people. They, they were gone for a few years, and then they, now they're back, and we love it. I think I'm back about three years. Um, Charlotte and I right now are in the process of remodeling a house very fun, kind of, but Byron and Patty actually, we're living at their house with them until we get that thing done, so we love those guys, and if you work alongside them, you will too, they're just fantastic people. So with that, we're going to be in Second Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read the whole chapter, I'd like you to stand with me if you would, uh, we like to honor the word like, like Nehemiah and Ezra, they stood while the word was being read. I'm using the New King James Version of the Bible. It doesn't really matter what version you're using, as long as you're rightly dividing the word of truth. And we hope always, in our, when we get together, that's what we're doing. We're going into the word. We're going to have lots of the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So uh, our, our faith needs feeding. And that feeding is when God's speaking to our hearts and inputting. And we need the input. Did you say amen to that? So 2 Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read, read along with me. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and, of per and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in them will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot or, and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation 
as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these times, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, and they do also, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you fall also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. So, Lord, we take your word now as you've given to us, handed it down, the prophetic word, the word that's a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, all the things that you have declared about your word. We get to read it. We get to think about it. We get to hear from you. So, Lord, I pray these things I prepared. You break them fresh. Feed us. We're hungry. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Give us ears now to hear what you're saying to us by your Holy Spirit. Give us a responsiveness of heart in keeping the things which you are speaking to us this morning. Lord, I pray the things that I've prepared. Please take these things now, this second service here, and bless us by hearing you. The joy of the Lord is our strength. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So Peter now is doing what he's been doing in both epistles. He's reminding us of some things. He turns from the false teachers now to the beloved. Isn't it great to be a beloved? Loved of the Lord. Now, as a believer, that's what we call, God calls us. We are beloved. As a non-believer, you are still loved by God no differently because God's love is perfect. God does not change his love is the love that is granted to each one of us. The decision becomes ours. Do we want to have that relationship with God? So if you're here this morning, you're watching, and you don't know the love of God, I will say it very simply. You're missing out. Would you say amen to that? God loves us with an unconditional love. He does not change. His love does not change. It doesn't increase and decrease. It is who he is by very nature. And that is absolutely fantastic. Our love wavers, to put it mildly. Our love is based a lot of times on faultiness. God's love is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's not trite. That's the truth. It's deep. It's everlasting. And it's ours through Jesus Christ. So Peter knew that love like nobody knew that love. Well, we all know it, but in a unique way, Peter knew the love of Jesus Christ. In all of his failure, in all the things he said, God's done with me, God wasn't done with him, and God's not done with you. He is at work in our lives, and the Bible says the work that he's began, he will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, Peter is talking about the last days. He's talking about what's coming. So he turns from these false teachers to the beloved saints. And four times he says, beloved, the outline I'm going to give you this morning is reminders for the last days. Beloved, number one, beloved, be mindful, Jesus is coming again. You got to say amen to that one. Jesus is coming again. Remember that, that Jesus is coming again. This is not the final This is leading up to the finale of the kingdom of God. 
Can you dig it? That's hippie talk. So he's coming again. Remember God's promises. Now, these promises, as Peter, we're going to see with Peter, aren't fun sometimes. But God has said, this is what's going to happen. We don't put all those who live Christ, all those who, who live in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Thank you. Is that in your promise box? <laughs> it's true. All those who live God in Christ Jesus will suffer. We don't put those. But let me say, Peter here, as he's addressed, as he has in both his, he's talking about things that are difficult to talk about. We're talking about fervent heat. We're talking about judgment. We're talking about, but listen, at the center of all of it is God's love and God's cross. And at the cross, his love was displayed. At the cross, we are given, we, we receive from God forgiveness and the forgiveness of our sin. And that's God's work, God's doing. And he promised that. That that, what he did on the cross is sufficient for your salvation. It's sufficient, sufficient in the place where you go for your repentance. It's fantastic. It does not waver, does not change. He loves you, and he loves me. And that is so fantastic for any. So be mindful. Jesus is coming again. Do not forget, remember God's promises through the cross. Secondly, beloved, do not forget what? God is not willing that any should perish. We got to remember that. In other words, it's remember God's patience. How patient has God been with you? More than with me, I'm sure. Just kidding. Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners. <laughs> remember God's patience. Three, Beloved, be diligent to be found by him in peace. In other words, remember God's peace. The source of the peace of God in our lives is the gospel. The source of the peace, having peace with God is the gospel. And we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The battle's over because of the cross and my repentance. Remember God's peace. Finally, beware. Beloved, beware, lest you fall from your steadfastness. In other words, he's warning us. He's saying this is possible. There are false teachers and false prophets. There's a lot of junk going on out there by people claiming to be teachers of the word of God. We've talked about this before. So beware. In other words, simply put, remember God. Remember God. I met a young man. I think I might have said this last week. I don't remember because that, you know, what I'm thankful is that I can have a pure heart and st still have a bad memory. <laughs> and he, he uh, I knew him for a long time. He, at one point, was coming to church here as a young man, and he isn't going to church anymore. And I just said to him, I said, don't forget God. Don't forget God. We forget so easily these truths. God's promises, God's patience, God's peace. Simply put, just remember God. Don't you love remembering God? Worship, prayer, fellowship. So beware lest you fall from your own steadfastness. So 
Be mindful that Jesus is coming again. Remember God's promises. I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. First and second Peter are the word of God. He wrote them, they're the word of, of God. He wrote them and he's constantly reminding us, reminding us, reminding us of these truths. And some of them are not fun, but they're fact. Some of them are those promises, those things that God's doing in his patience and long-suffering with us that is fantastic. Not fun, some of them. And Peter's not mincing words. He's not saying, well, that's okay. No, he's hitting it head on. Here's the truth. Here's the facts. Here's what God has promised. Here's what's going to happen. So that you be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and, of the Lord and Savior. So be mindful, simply put, we talk about it all the time, remember the word of God. Be mindful. And you're only going to be able to be mindful as much as you stored it. <laughs> put it into your minds. So be mindful of God's word. Be mindful of what God has spoken through the... Now, the apostles, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote the word of God to us. Peter, Paul, those. The apostles were given God-given inspiration to write down the very voice of God. Acts 2.42 continued steadfastly in what? The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, and in prayers. That's how the early church started. That's what they did. Ephesians, now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Listen to this stuff. This is for us. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Remember God's word. Remember God's promises. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to you are the commandments of the Lord. Book of Revelation opens with, blesses the man who hears the words of this prophecy and keeps those things which are written in it for the time is near. For Revelation chapter 1, right to start out. And then at the end, in Revelation chapter 22, I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things... God will add to him the plagues that are written. In other words, don't mess with the word of God. Blessed if you keep these things, because time is short. Peter's talking about the last days. Time is short. Listen, for every one of us, time is short. We don't know how short, but it's short. And it comes quickly. So the book of Revelation, it, it ends God's revelation in the Bible Blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written in it for the time is near. And then he says here in 22, don't add to it. Don't make it something it's not. Just take it for what God has given to, what God has given it to something that God gave. Yeah. <laughs> now, what are we mindful of? It's simple. Knowing that this first, listen, this first, now Peter's been addressing these false prophets, false teachers. He's given us the character, the nature. Of it. He's saying, beware of them. Remember this first, that scoffers will come. It's not a question mark. Will come when? The last days. What's a scoffer? A scoffer is someone who literally makes mouth. How do you like that one? No, they're always yakking away, but not honoring God's word. 
Arrogant superiority would be another definition of that. They're scoffers. They mock the things that God values. They mock the most sacred duties of godliness. That's what happens with the scoffer. They want nothing to do with God's truth, the word of God. They want nothing to do with what the prophet said or what you might say. The book of Proverbs is loaded with this word called, this word scoffers. Proverbs 1.22, for scorners, same word, for scorners delight in their scorning and fools hate knowledge. In other words, a scoffer doesn't want to know the truth, doesn't want to know knowledge. Proverbs 9, 7, 8, he who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself, and he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct a scoffer. In other words, when that's going on, just walk away. Because they want nothing to do with correction. Nothing to do with the change. Rebuke a wise man who loves you. You got someone that's wise, go for it. You got a scoffer, go from it. Another one, Proverbs chapter 13. A wise son heeds his father's instruction, but a scoffer does not listen to rebuke. Same idea. Proverbs 14, 6. A scoffer seeks wisdom and does not find it. Why? Because they don't want to know it. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom. It says here, scoffer seeks wisdom and do not find it. Why? Because they don't fear the Lord. They don't care what God has to say. But knowledge is easy to him who understands. You start understanding the Lord, man, and it's somehow life gets easier. Proverbs 15, 12. A scoffer does not love one who corrects him, nor will he go to the wise. So you're getting a feel for the scoffer. Peter's saying, this is what's going to happen in the last days. It will happen. Scoffers will come. And, you know, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing his promises of... You know, I just go, eh? God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. Ah. And you start speaking about these, these things that we so value, the things that we so know, and then these scoffers come along, and you're going, wow, how can, how, what? what? That's the scoffer. Do you know some scoffers? You know people that aren't open to these things? What Peter's saying is, expect it. Your faith, your love for God, your remembering his promises is something that's real, has substance. And it's always difficult when the things that are valuable to you, the things that have substance in your life, the things that have changed your life, it's always difficult when someone scoffs it. And thus this is happening. 22, cast out the scoffer and contentions will leave. Yes, strife and reproach will cease. So Proverbs says, cast them out. Now, here's nothing. Walking according to their own lusts. He just got done talking about the depravity and deception of these false teachers. Why? Why? Their lifestyle did not line up with the word of God. That doesn't work. So if you live a lifestyle that doesn't line up with the word of God, something has to change. And if you don't want to know the Lord, what you change is not your lifestyle, but the word. That's what happens. So I'm going to make the word what I want it to say rather than take the word as what God says. So they walk according to their own lust. Be mindful that a Christian lifestyle must line up with the word of God. This is nothing new, but Peter's saying, remember, 
Be, remind, be mindful of the fact that scoffers are going to come and some of those things might wear you down and wear you out. Don't let it. Don't let it. Expect it. If our lifestyle contradicts the word of God, then we must either change our lifestyle or change the word of God. God is able to change our lives dramatically. Saul of Tarsus is just one of many examples. We're talking radical. Coming out of lifestyles that are contrary and offensive to the word of God. That are rebelling against the word of God. Coming out of those lifestyles is a work that God does through the gospel. I look at these things that Peter's writing. I'm saying central core to this whole, all these truths is the cross of Jesus Christ. He has changed my life. He's changed your life who've received them. He's brought you out of these darknesses in the marvelous light of the gospel. He's working in your life to conform you to the image of Jesus Christ. You can't do that, but God does it. So he's saying, remember God's promises. Remember what he said in his word. Live by the word. Repent according to the word. And God will show himself exactly for who he is in loving you and working in your life. And all the things that he's began in your life, he's not going to leave the hanging. Oh, well, you know, I'm remodeling the house right now. I hate things that are unfinished. And I pay the price for that, by the way. You know, hey, God's not remodeling us. He's transforming us by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's making us people that we never would have ever understood we could be in the sense of relationship with God, knowing God loves me, walking with God, having awareness of God. By faith, I see the things that are unseen. I watch as God's working in other people's lives. And I go, That's all, that can only be God. And you look at me and go, yeah, you're right. It can only be God. But God, is, it's fantastic. So remember God's promises. Stick to the word. Live out the word and let God do what he wants to do. He says, untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction the, spirit, the scriptures. Peter says that in verse 16. That's what happens. We can't allow that to happen, brothers and sisters. The word of God stays the word of God, and the word of God in our lives begins to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. I say, yeah. Because of their lifestyles, they're not mindful of the word of God. That's what happens. Say, now verse 4, saying, where is the promises of, of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. The word is called uniformitarianism. In other words, nothing's changed, just what it's always been. And that is so far from the truth, it's crazy. I mean, to, they, oh, everything's just going along as it was. No, it's not. And Peter's focusing on judgment. He's saying, hey, they, they, they willfully forget. In other words, they, 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 they willfully forget it. There is so much evidence for the creation. There's so much evidence for a flood in the geological things of this planet. And yet, they come up with evolution. They come up with other things and twist the scriptures to their own destruction. But not only that, they twist the scriptures and they'll never know the God who created us. They'll never know that God is a God they're accountable to. That judgment is coming. It did come and it will come. In the past, by water through the flood. In the future, by fire. This is not pleasant. But it's true. 
We looked at that last week, the judgment of God, last study. That by the word of God, the heavens were of old. Interesting, Genesis chapter 1. Ten times it says, God said, and it happened. God said, and it happened. God said, and it happened. Ten times, God said it, it happened. God said it. And let me say to you, there's nothing God said that doesn't happen. It always happens just like he said. So Hebrews tells that by faith we see the invisible. We can see things that the normal person can't see. It's not that we have this blind faith. It's that we see more because we see God. And it makes sense. It fits into what we see in every area of life. That God created the heavens and the earth. That God sent a flood to the earth. That God killed everyone except eight of Noah's family. That God saved them. We looked at this in an earlier study. This is what God did. And this brother said, it's so much fun to believe it. <laughs> so be mindful of these things. The heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire. In other words, take God at his word. Take God at his promises. They willfully forget that judgment will come by fire. In fact, this is, as I'm studying and preparing, the, the scriptures are like crazy numbers. Talking about judgment. Particularly by fire. Let me give you four of them. Isaiah chapter 66 for behold, the Lord will come with fire and with his chariots, like a whirlwind to render his anger with fury and his rebuke with flames of fire. For by fire and by his sword, the Lord will judge all flesh, and the slain of the Lord shall be many. Micah 1.4, the mountains will melt under him, and the valleys will split like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. Malachi 4.1, for behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly will be stubble, and the, day which is, and the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts, that will leave them neither root nor branch. Again, this is not pleasant, but it's true. And as Peter's writing, what's on his heart is that God's not willing that any should perish. So to not speak the truth is to not love that person. This is what's coming. This is what's going to be happening. So Peter's laying it out like he did before this also. Uh, 2 Thessalonians. And to give you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus Christ is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, verse 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. It should motivate us, brothers and sisters, and it should motivate us in the sense that God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to what? Repentance. Now, I find that interesting because repentance doesn't stop when you become a Christian. In fact, it increases tenfold. That's what I think. Hundredfold, thousandfold. So he's willing, not when they should perish, but come to repent. Repentance is the door to salvation. Salvation is the door to repentance and change. He wants us to come 
to repentance. To him who can forgive us through the cross. That's why I say central to these things that Peter's writing. Central to the whole Bible is the cross of Jesus Christ. Where God paid the price for my sin. All of them. Where God died willingly in my place as a substitute sacrifice for my sin. And said, now come to me all you who labor in heavenly and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and you'll find rest for your what? Souls. God's the one who's the master of the soul, the provider for the forgiveness of sin. So he says, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, these shall be punished with everlasting. This, this should motivate us. And I know every believer in this room, watching, hearing, every one of us understands we need a burden for lost people. We need to remember God's patience with us. Don't forget God's not willing any should perish. Remember God's patience. How patient has God been with you? I'll ask it again. You start really getting honest with God and you start realizing how undeserving we are. If somebody lives with you, they know just how undeserving you are. <laughs> Remember that. <laughs> how much more? Do you spare not his own son? How much more shall he not with him freely give us all things? It ain't over yet. But the love of God, in fact, Paul to the Ephesians said, that we might know it for the ages to come. We might know the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ. God's been kind, patient. He's on the throne. He's there in charge. And what does he do? He meets out grace, meets out mercy, meets out forgiveness continuously. And with no lack for that. Do not forget the patience of God. They willfully forget that God is eternal. God is immortal. God is outside of time. A day is a thousand years, a thousand years is a day. In other words, think about that for a minute. How does that work? God's eternal. He created time. So I like to look at that as time is on my side. Because God created it for me and to have a relationship with him in this time thing. So it's almost like set aside, a time, set aside the time element and enjoy God. And as we're doing that, it's like a day becomes a thousand years. You know, some relationship that you have. It's deep, it's abiding. There's a timelessness to love. And knowing God is like that. It's timeless. God created time for us to know him. While God works in time, God is not limited by time. Know that. God's patience. God's delay 
is simply a delay for divine grace. If you're not willing, any should perish. Now I look at Exodus chapter 34, where Peter pulls from. And the Lord, this is with Moses, passed before him, Moses, and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, here it is, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. Romans chapter 2, 4, do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance? And the long, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to, there's that word again, repentance. This is good. These are all ours in time. With a timeless God. Romans 9. What if God wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known. Endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction. In other words. What if. All, what God's doing is. He's wanting to reach them if you will. He's wanting to show his wrath and make his power known. Endure with much long suffering. So God is patient. He waits. He waits. Now, let me ask you a question. If Jesus had come five years ago, would you have been counted in the number? Ten years ago. Twenty years ago. But let's say it was a thousand years ago. See, one day makes the difference. One day made the difference for every one of us. At some point, God became the one that was patient, and I knew it. Merciful, and I knew it. Gracious, and I knew it. You just got to worship the Lord with that one. Do not forget, God is not willing any should perish. And now, beloved, be diligent to be found by him in peace. Remember God's peace. Again, central. God's peace is his gift to us through repentance at the cross. We have peace with God, and we know the peace of God. Be found by him in peace. The day of the Lord is this time of God's wrath being poured out on a Christ-rejecting, rebellious world. And so there are a lot of passages, a lot of scriptures, a lot of verses, 40 at least, in the Bible that talk about the day of the Lord. And let me say this to you. The day of the Lord is judgment in every one of them. It's judgment. So he says, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. God said it, it's going to happen. And the elements will melt with a fervent heat. God said it, it's going to happen. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. God said it, and it will happen. So remember God's peace. It's ours through the gospel. Having been saved by grace through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him also, we have access by faith in his grace in which we stand, and we have hope in the glory of God. That's what Paul wrote to the Romans. A lot of things we could talk about. But the day of the Lord, look at Isaiah 2. The day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low. This is the, the, the uh, day of the Lord. Isaiah chapter 13. Wail, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It will come as destruction from the Almighty. Behold, verse 9, the day of the Lord comes cruel with both wrath and fierce anger to lay the land desolate, and he will destroy it soon. But he hasn't done it yet, but he will. In the meantime, he's not willing that any should perish. He wants us to be operating, be found that the peace of God is ours. We can operate in all of these things with the, knowing the peace of God and having peace with God. And be found by him in peace.
Joel, and alas, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as destruction from the Almighty. It will be, it shall be. All these things are saying, God said it. It's going to happen. What about the meantime? In the meantime, he would find us in peace. And that peace comes through the same avenue, the gospel, our salvation, the cross of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter as far as whatever sin there may be, whatever bad, through the cross, you can have the peace of God again. It can be yours by faith. I say, shower it. Shower it. Because I'll tell you, to know the peace of God is life-changing. It's amazing. It happens in the worst of things, the things that are coming upon us. And we'll be coming upon the earth. Amos chapter 5. Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. For what good is the day of the Lord to you? It will be darkness and not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. As though one he went into the house, leaned his hand, hand on the wall, and a serpent bit him. It is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light. It is not, very, it is not very dark with no brightness. Is it not very dark with no... I'm getting to go. Listen. Peter's pointing out two things. There's the day of the Lord, and then there's the promises of God for peace. And until such a time, we, we, the believers, be found by him in peace. The war's over with God. There is no more war. If it's over with God, the war's over for us. Malachi, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So he's going to be sending Elijah the prophet. He gives us a little bit of the details. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, verse 11, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godly? In other words, live our lives in holy conduct and godly. Live our lives differently. Live our lives in the peace of God. Because judgment is coming. Looking for and hastening the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire. Elements will melt. According to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blemish. We can have that. We can live this life. Looking forward, looking for and looking forward, this coming of Jesus Christ which will not be pleasant on an unrepentant world. But it will be the culmination of God ushering us into his kingdom in this world. This is my hippie language. Can you dig it? Finally, beloved, beware lest you fall from your steadfastness. Brothers and sisters, we need to remember God in these manners. His promises to us. His patience toward us. The things that he's given to us through Christ. It's the work of God in your life and my life now. Then we can look for his coming. We look forward to his coming. Knowing that when God says it's over, it's time to be over. And he's going to be done with the work that he's been doing. And we, my friends, are that voice of the word of God. The example of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the looking forward to a kingdom that shall never end. Can you dig it? 
Would you stand? Sophia, if you could come up. I would like to take this last song that Sophia picked. I didn't even know it, but it fits perfect with what we're, what we're talking about here. I'd like to sing our, our voices out in worshiping God just to close this message and close today. I can't remember the name of the song. What's the song? How Great Thou Art. How Great Thou Art. I, I, <laughs> Listen, I am finding in my own life, I've shared this a little bit, just the last couple of months, I need to be intentional about worshiping God for who He is, not for how I feel. And as I've just been sort of exercising myself, that I am finding this resonating of my soul with the greatness of God patience of God, and the power of God, the promises of God. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life in that sense. As far as I'm concerned, as far as we need to be concerned, God is still on the throne. God is God. He is worthy of every ounce of energy we give to Him in worship and prayer. So can we do that? Just let's, let's let God hear it, if you will. How great is our God. I'll come up and, we'll, and close in prayer with that.